Hi everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Learning Out Loud. Today we're joined by Walt Judas, founder and CEO of Neurostim TMS Centers, based out of Seattle. Walt has served in a variety of roles for various companies over the years, including founder, chairman, CEO, director, and president. Walt takes us through his many experiences across an eclectic assortment of industries, including healthcare, finance, and minerals and mining. We cover Walt's decision-making processes, similarities and differences in his strategy across industries, and his current venture of Neurostim TMS. Enjoy. Learning Out Loud is excited to announce that we're forming a partnership with College Contact. College Contact is a technology platform that connects high school students with college undergraduates for affordable and accessible college admissions advising. In short, your student gets to meet with a current college student at their favorite university. Once you set up an initial meeting with College Contact, they'll match your high school to a college student based on your preferences. This college student will mentor and advise your high schooler through the entire process, from forming a college list to brainstorming, writing, and editing college essays to applying for scholarships and financial aid. The best part? It's extremely affordable, with hourly sessions starting at just $60 an hour with our 20% off discount code, Learning Out Loud. Yeah, so just to get started, Walt, we'd like to hear about, you know, like if you had a five-minute synopsis of the businesses that you've been involved in, how you got started with what you're doing, and what you're up to now. We'd love to hear kind of the elevator pitch of that. Yeah, you bet. So, you know, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I was one of those uh, those those kids that, that folks would say was born an entrepreneur. Um, I had a paper route when I was nine years old. Uh, I started the lawn mowing business when I was in my early teens. I had gutter cleaning services, uh, raking leaves, all that kind of stuff around the neighborhood. Um, I was highly motivated to make money because I grew up in a family that uh, that wasn't, it was really lower middle class, I would say. And so I had to purchase all of my own school clothes, my my shoes, um, uh, participate in sports. I had to pay for some of those those fees, and so I was really motivated to make money from a young age. So, uh, so I started out, you know, with with that energy and that drive early on. Um, and really, my my first business, I got into the real estate investing business um, at 18 years old. I bought my first house. Um, kind of interesting how that came about, but then. I sort of back into my way into mortgage finance. Um, I went to buy that first house. I couldn't get qualified because I didn't have time on the job uh, and needed some unique financing. And I knew a guy that had uh, started a mortgage company. And so I was able to use him as a potential lender. And he ended up putting me to work. I ended up spending the next uh, about seven or eight years in the mortgage lending business as a loan broker, working for a number of companies. Then I transitioned into investment banking um, and deal making. I was raising money for startup companies in the Pacific Northwest, where I'm from, uh, born and raised in Seattle, love it out here in the Northwest, still here today. Um, And, you know, just uh, was enjoying helping other companies that were starting up um, raise money, do consulting work. I joined a number of those as a director or an officer, um, and then, uh, became a hedge fund manager for a couple of years. Uh, that was unique, uh, trading money in the global currency space, managing money for high net worth investors. And then, uh, one thing led to another, and I ended up making an investment in a diamond mining operation of all places to put your money. Uh, my wife liked diamonds. I didn't know the first thing about them other than she liked those. Uh, but I thought if I could invest in a diamond mining operation and go find some big diamonds, I think she would love it. And so would others. Uh, so 
Interestingly enough, I invested about a hundred thousand bucks into a diamond mining operation in Brazil. Um, and then about uh, a year later, uh, that investment did not pan out, but I jumped on a plane with a partner, flew to Brazil and tried to find my money. In the meantime, found another partner to start my own uh, diamond uh, exploration company. And so for the next decade, I spent time in Brazil uh, flying back and forth. I was searching for diamonds, gold, base metals iron ore, uh, you name the commodity I was exploring with uh, a couple of uh, very well-known and educated geologists down in Brazil. <clears throat> and I did that uh, until about 2016, and then was looking to unwind through some uh, divest divestures in some of our companies. We had seven subsidiary companies, um, did some stuff in China, did some stuff in Australia. And a friend of mine who was an investor in my hedge fund back in the early 2000s called me up and said, Walt, hey, I've got a new a new technology that is treating people with dep depression, anxiety, PTSD, and they're getting better. It's an MRI-based technology. It's an electromagnetic coil that sits on your forehead, and it sends electromagnetic pulses down two centimeters of the brain, and people get better. Uh, folks have tried depression medication, antidepressants, uh, anti-anxiety meds that aren't getting results. We're getting results with this. So I flew out to Salt Lake City. I met with my buddy, Corey. Uh, I learned all about TMS, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation, uh, and decided that, hey, this was an, a technology and a business worth investing in. Uh, so like all good entrepreneurs do, you put on your hat, your education hat, your research hat, you learn as much as you possibly can before you jump in. And uh, we jumped in, uh, launched our company in mid-2017, opened our first clinic, um, after establishing the medical team and uh, the offices and all that, launched our first clinic in 2018. I'm actually sitting in Lakewood, Washington today, uh, where we launched our first clinic uh, five and a half years ago. And now we have nine clinics throughout the state of Washington. We're treating uh, a significant number of patients. We see people get better every single day. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun. So our company is NeuroStim TMS. Uh, neuro brain stim stimulation. We do brain stimulation. When people ask me what I do for a living, I say I stimulate brains. Uh, so I do that both physically and uh, also uh, through stuff like this, having an opportunity to kind of share my life experiences and what I've done as an entrepreneur. So thanks for giving the opportunity for that introduction. Um, I'm sure there's many more questions that you guys have. And so fire away. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And we appreciate the the overview there. I guess the first question is, you know, it sounds like you've been in a lot of different industries across, you know, across the years. So we'd love to know about how you're able to identify opportunities in areas where you maybe haven't had experience before. And what are some of the transferable skills that you felt are kind of the spine of what you've done as an entrepreneur that carry across those industries? Yeah, great question. I think, you know, for me, it's always been, you have to identify your why, you know, why are you an entrepreneur? Why are you motivated? What, what drives you? What drives me today isn't what always drove me when I was in my younger years. Um, but as I mentioned, I didn't grow up in a, in a house that, uh, that, that had free flowing funds, right? We were lower middle class, um, we didn't have, uh, my, neither one of my parents went to college, neither of their parents went to college. In fact, my kids 
were the first generation college graduates from both my side and my wife's side. I myself uh, did not graduate from college. Um, but uh, but my my why was really about trying to make a life for myself that I and my kids that I didn't have growing up. And so for me, I was motivated by money because I knew what money could do for me. Um, it wasn't the greed factor, although when I was younger, I was more heavily interested in making money for the sake of making money. Um, but but really, at the end of the day, it was about, hey, money is means to an end. It gives the opportunity to create time freedom. And I wanted to make sure that I had the opportunity to create some time freedom. And that's why I pursued different ventures throughout my, my career. Um, you know, getting back to your, your question about how and why I chose selective industries, for me, it was always identifying a niche product or a niche service, something that not everybody did. Um, you know, one thing about my father, he taught me early on, he said, Walt, if you can make money for someone else, you can make money for yourself. And, you know, for me, that really resonated. I realized at a young age that, that if I was dedicated, motivated, and I worked hard and smart, that I could accomplish some great things. Um, and so niche, niche businesses, uh, you look at what I did. I was in the lending business at a young age. But I wasn't doing traditional lending. I wasn't uh, wasn't uh, selling Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans. For those of you that are listening that know what those are, conventional lending. I was doing non-conforming lending is what it was called back in the early 90s. Subprime lending is what it became known as in the, uh, the, the 2000s. And so I was doing uh, lending of, of money for people that couldn't qualify for regular home loans through traditional means. And then I moved into, as I mentioned, investment banking. I was raising funds for a number of different companies. And these were, you know, back in the late 90s, uh, companies that were startups, the first dot-com companies. Uh, and here in the Seattle area, the Pacific Northwest, we are a very well-known entrepreneurial-minded um, city and, 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 and area. And so there were a lot of folks coming out with a lot of online companies. And so some were very niche, some search technology companies, some medical technology companies, a lot of stuff that had to do, obviously, with internet and, and uh, uh, you know, the overall worldwide web. Um, and so I was selective in some of the companies I was working with. And then transitioning into the hedge fund when I was managing money for high net worth investors, the initial goal was to raise a, a capital fund, a limited partnership that pooled high net worth investors money together to invest in startup companies. But the market started to suffer some indigestion in 2000. So I transitioned the strategy because I already invested the time and the energy. I had the pool of people that wanted to invest in an alternative strategy fund. And so we transitioned into currency trading. Uh, and we were one of the very first in the in the Northwest, and I would say even you know, across the U.S. that we're actually trading global currency. So it was a niche. It was a niche market. It was something that not everybody was doing. Um, and then mining and minerals. I mean, that was sort of by default. I had invested, lost some money, wanted to recover it, and then decided to do something a little bit unique. And so I'm a, a very spirited individual. I like to travel. I like to get involved in different types of things. Um, so I did that. And then, of course, my current venture, Neurostim TMS. Not everybody is stimulating brains out there. Um, so, you know, quite fun to be doing something that very few people are doing. Um, and, you know, again, very niche, um, but very fun. So 
that really is the answer is a lot of, a lot of niche things. Uh, and also being able to provide something to people that they can't get everywhere else. So did you teach yourself about each of these different industries before going into them? Or how did you gain this knowledge to begin with? Yeah, super question, Marlene. I'll tell you, yes, I did. I, I've always been a pretty quick study. Um, I mentioned early on that uh, I, I didn't graduate from college. Um, I was a good student in high school. I wasn't the best student in high school, um, you know, but I was I was a high achiever. I was I was also an athlete. Uh, so I excelled on the football field and the soccer field and, and also in the classroom but not at an elite level by any means, um, but I did try hard. And um, again, for me, uh, I learned by reading, I learned by watching other people, I learned by interviewing other people, you know, that that had done things that I wanted to pursue. Um, and so uh, my dad did teach me uh, one thing early on again was, hey, ask questions. If you don't know the answer, ask questions, be inquisitive, don't ever be afraid to ask questions. And so I've been a student of asking questions from the time I was very, very young. Um, and that's how you learn. You learn, you know, successes and failures of others by asking questions. So, so yeah, I didn't know the first thing about mortgage lending. I mean, I'm a 19 year old kid. Um, I'll back up and say that, that I, I did end up applying for some scholarships out of high school. Um, I was student body president and I applied for some scholarships and, and I got some scholarships. I applied one of them uh, to a local community college. I did go to community college for about two months. And as I was sitting in the classroom and realizing what the professor was teaching, you know, I, I just felt like this is not a place for me. I can do better out in the business world. Um, at the time, I was investing in real estate and I had a small construction company as well. And I felt like I could make a whole lot more money just being a business owner as opposed to a student that went through four years of college and then eventually went out into the business world. And so um, what he was teaching me, it was a building construction course and he was going through the, the code book of, uh, of construction codes. And it was a book that I could read myself. If I needed to know, you know, all those codes, I could read it. And so I dropped out and decided to just keep doing what I was doing, buying homes, fixing them up, reselling those. Um, and so uh, then in mortgage finance, same thing. I got started there, didn't know the first thing about it, but the guy that put me to work was really, really smart. I was in his office before anybody else in the morning, in his office late afternoon and early evening uh, after everybody else asking questions. Um, and then the same thing, mining and minerals. I didn't know the first thing about diamonds, like I said, other than my wife liked those. And, um, you know, if I could find some in the ground, uh, it'd be great. And so I learned all about kimberlites and um, indicator minerals and all kinds of geograph uh, geography terms and, and, uh, and, and exploration terms um, and spent 10 years. And I ended up raising... $35 million from people and other entities that invested in my company. Um, and although I, again, when I started to know the first thing about it, by the time I left, I had, you know, a hundred million dollar education. Um, so yeah, it, it really has been just about asking questions, reading and researching, making sure you know uh, what you're getting yourself into. When you, awesome. when you were looking at like these different industries to go in, do you think do you think it was your interest in the industries? Was it your like passion for opportunities? Like, I'm curious how important the industry itself was in your um, your different business ventures. 
It's such such a great question. And again, I think half the time, yeah, it was really important in the industry. Um, and other times it was it was just the right place at the right time. Um, now, as an entrepreneur, uh, as a networker, as somebody who excelled early on in business, I met an awful lot of people, a lot of successful people that were doing different things. Um, and I could have, you know, broken away from what I was doing and pursued other ventures. <clears throat> but there was always something that was motivating for me at the, at the, at the point in time I chose to go into different industries. Um, so I would say really half the time it was all about, um, you know, the the right opportunity at the right time. Uh, and a lot of those times it was financially motivating, right? I, there was an opportunity, uh, how I got in the, in the diamond exploration business. Uh, again, I mean, I invested in a company. I was expecting, you know, my $100,000 investment to be worth 300000 uh, a couple of years later. Um, it turned out to be worth zero. So then I had to go see if I could find my money. And that kind of back into my way into meeting some other people that were exploring the country of Brazil and then started my own company and raised all that money and, and spent, like I said, a decade down there looking for some good stuff. Uh, which, by the way, we did find. We found a a very substantial iron ore project uh, that we ended up uh, taking to the Australian Stock Exchange. We created a company called Braz Iron, a subsidiary of my my parent company, Majestic, and we took it public on the Australian Stock Exchange. Uh, so we had some good successes. Um, and then I would say my, my most recent venture, it really, with Neurostim TMS, being involved in behavioral health, um, we all know that, you know, these days folks are struggling. A lot of folks are struggling with mental health conditions, depression, anxiety, COVID didn't do any of us any favors. Um, and, you know, I've got three, three kids. My oldest is 27. Uh, he was a nuclear engineer from Annapolis. Um, my middle is, uh, is is Brooke. She's a nurse and now actually a nurse practitioner, just graduated with her DNP a couple of weeks ago. So she is now a psych mental health nurse practitioner. And our youngest is actually University of Virginia, a great school. Um, she's a, a rising senior at UVA, uh, studying business and entrepreneurship and psychology. Um, but uh, but anyways, you know, this most recent venture with Neurostim, as I was aging, um, and I'm still young, I, I feel like I haven't even peaked yet. I'm 52 years old, and I think I've got a lot more years in me. Um, plenty of energy to go around. But in any case, um, I was hoping that I could work with my kids. And my daughter, my middle daughter, um, uh, well, my middle child, my my oldest daughter, Brooke, was really interested in medicine from the time she was three or four years old. And I thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to be able to do something in an industry that really makes an impact? And wouldn't it be great to be able to work with my own children um, as adults? And so she was sort of the motivation factor in, in 2016, 2017, uh, she was, you know, finishing up or she working on her nursing degree, uh, but knowing she wanted to be in, involved in medicine, why I got involved in what I'm doing now. And so my passion is a lot different today than it was before. You know, once you make a lot of money and you lose a lot of money, you do that a number of times, uh, you know, then you realize, hey, look, where am I best serving humanity? Where can I make the biggest impact? Where's the legacy going to be? And so for us, it really is my wife and I, we've married for 30 31 years. Um, it's let's make an impact that has lasting impact. And if we can help heal people, 
through unique new technology and get them out of their depression, anxiety, PTSD, and get them on the road to wholeness. There's nothing better than being involved in something like that. And so, you know, today it's really all about the mission to help people get healthy. Um, and, you know, the money comes when you, when you enjoy what you do, um, you, you do just fine. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And just to the point about, um, you know, the ups and downs of business, can you take us back to you invested this hundred thousand dollars in the diamond operation? You thought it was going to be worth 300. Now it's zero. What's the thought process there where instead of, you know, kind of rolling over, you're going to, all right, I'm going to go into this industry myself and I'm going to, you know, make the money that I thought was going to be made in the investment. Yeah, really great question. You know, for me, I don't like to lose, um, you know, good entrepreneurs. I mean, you're always thinking, you're always dreaming, you're always hoping, you're always expecting. Um, Napoleon Hill wrote a book. Uh, you might be familiar with it. Think and Grow Rich. It was a really great book when I was young. I read that book and there was a, a, a saying in there um, that really rings true for me and, and many other entrepreneurs. Whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. And so I was always of the mindset. And the biggest part there really is the belief, the believability. You know, we can conceive great things, but then in order to achieve it, we really have to believe it. And I have always been one of those persons that's a, it's a, an extreme optimist. If other people have achieved certain levels of success or they've, you know, created certain lifestyle for themselves, why can't I be that same person? What is it going to take? The first thing it's going to take is the believability that we have all the same God-given ability. We all have the same you know, genetic makeup, we all have brains, we all have muscles, we all have, you know, ability to do things. But a lot of it starts up here. It's really in the brain. It's about the the ability to believe it. And so going back to those days, you know, I lost my money. But here's what I knew. There were a lot of other folks that were in industry that were making good money in mineral exploration. And so for me, it was just a matter of digging in and saying, hey, look, if others couldn't can do it, I can do it too. And here's what I knew. I knew that I didn't have the ability because I didn't have the education or the experience to be running and leading a mineral exploration company in, in a foreign country. But I knew there were people that had that experience. And so I partnered with people that were smarter than me, people that had greater experience than me. I had the motivation, the energy, and I could I could share the vision, and I had the believability factor. People believe Walt Judice. They believe that I could put a team together, and I did. And all of the businesses that I've created, I've always partnered with people that were much smarter than me. Um, in the diamond exploration business, the gentleman I partnered with was the former general manager of exploration for Rio Tinto in Brazil. Uh, it was the, the, the second or third largest mining company in the world, a $40 billion market cap at that point in time. I partnered with him. Uh, another guy that I brought on board to the team, Dr. Stefan Meyer, was actually the diamond geologist that discovered the Argyle Diamond Mine in Australia. It was the, it, to, even today, is the largest producing diamond mine in the world. And Dr. Meyer was the, the a young geologist way back in the 70s working for a company called Jennings Mining that actually discovered that diamond mine. Uh, and he became a director of my company. I, he was retired from Rio Tinto. He was the chief diamond geologist for Rio Tinto. He had gone into semi-retirement. I approached him and I said, hey, Stefan, 
here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Do you want a partner? He said, yes. Um, so we were able to build a dynamic team. Same thing when I was uh, in, in my current venture, uh, you know, Neurostim TMS. I didn't know that, uh, you know, uh, the first thing about brain stimulation, psychology, neurology, uh, but I knew I could find people who were much smarter than me. Uh, and today, my medical director is a Harvard MD. Uh, another medical director went to Columbia, um, was a professor at Dartmouth uh, in psychiatry. Our chief medical advisor is one of the top five uh, TMS experts in the world. He's a keynote speaker at TMS conferences, Dr. Jonathan Downer. These are all people that I didn't know, but I had the belief that I could partner with them to create something special. And I was able to do that. So again, it goes back to you know the the beginning of hey what is it that you're after what is your why and and if you can partner with the right people um, build the dream build the team then you can be successful and I've I've been able uh, fortunately to to do that yeah I think that's a fantastic answer yeah. just in terms of knowing your abilities and also your limitations like you got to know what you don't know so that's that's awesome yeah. yeah I definitely really liked that about finding the people that are smarter than you do you think that they believe in you because you have this belief in yourself or do you think it's something else with your personality or past work in other industries like why do you think that these really smart people that you're claiming are better than you believe in you so much yeah uh, great question marlene here's here's what i'll tell you um I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person of faith Right. And so so I believe in the in the Bible and the Holy Scriptures. And there's some that are my favorite, one of which is he who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. I always believe in doing the right thing, honoring people, taking care of them. When I tell somebody I'm going to commit to something, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm not perfect. I've made some mistakes in my life. Um, but at the end of the day, I've got a vision. I'm accountable to somebody greater than myself. And, and I believe that if God is on my side and sitting on my shoulder, you know, that I'm going to be able to make wise decisions, um, you know, and, and, and work with people that are similarly minded. So I've made a habit in my business career to take care of people and to make sure that I'm fulfilling my commitments. Uh, and sometimes it's costly. It costs you money, it costs you time, it costs you energy, it costs you relationships. But at the end of the day, people are gonna look back and say, who was this person? Is he trustworthy? You know, would I partner with him again? And fortunately, I've been able to, to bring a lot of folks along with me that I met, former employers that I worked with, my current venture when I was raising my startup capital. I used to work with a, a gentleman who employed me in the mortgage finance business. And I was happened to be a, a good producer for him, made him a lot of money. Um, and he kind of followed me for 25 years. And when I needed some startup capital for my current venture, uh, um, I went to him and he said, Walt, how much money do you need? Wrote the check. You take care of people and you know they're gonna take care of you. Um, there's another scripture that says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And so here's what I know. Again, I want to partner with people that are smarter than me, but I also want to listen to what that counsel is. I want to make sure that I'm not the one that's always making the decisions without seeking wise counsel of those that are around me. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it is, it's about doing the right thing. It's about honoring people. Um, 
you know, it's it's about doing things even sometimes after the fact. And um, I don't want this to sound uh, braggy, so I'm going to be careful on how much I disclose. But um, we recently, our company, Neurostem TMS, we just did a major transaction with a, uh, a very substantial nationwide behavioral health care company. Uh, and we got some cash and we got some stock through the transition through the, through the transaction. There's five owners in my company. Uh, the two largest are myself and my partner I've known for 25 years that I've worked with in other industries uh, very well. We made a commitment that if the deal went through, that we would honor the people that helped us get to where we're at today. And so we decided we were going to take a certain amount of the money and we were going to reward every person that had ever worked for our company from the very beginning and, and the current employees. So we basically said, hey, let's take and pay 10% bonus to everybody that currently works with us from the time they started until present day. Uh, all their gross wages, give them a 10% cash bonus. And every prior employee that left our organization on good terms, we're going to give them a 5% bonus. And just this morning, I wrote out a dozen checks. I've got more I'm doing tomorrow and the next day. Um, and I was texting some prior employees. I'm saying, hey, what's your current address? I'm sending you a gift in the mail. What do you mean? Uh, and uh, and some of them already received their, their checks and they're blown away. They're very excited. But again, we don't do that because we need to, to brag about it. I'm only sharing this with you because as a successful entrepreneur, it goes back to what I was saying. Take care of people. They will take care of you. The goodwill that comes from giving and another scripture, freely you receive, now freely give. And if you have that mentality, you take care of people, they're your best brand ambassadors forever. Those are the people that are referring us business, that are writing Google reviews that I can go to in my next venture and say, hey, look, I've got a new startup. I need some more investment funds. Can you write a check? Or I need some counsel. I need somebody that's been there in that industry to give me wisdom and teach me how to do this thing that I'm not used to. And I've got a very deep well of people now, uh, both partners, uh, investors, friends, employees that I can draw from for the next deal. So take care of people. They will take care of you. And again, you're likely to be successful if you do that. Love that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. So I guess, you know, I, we have to cut it a little bit short. Maybe we'll do a part two if, if you're, uh, if you want to do that with us, we'd love that. Uh, but I guess if you could wrap up how you define success, um, we've been asking that recently. I think that's going to be one of our go-to questions going forward. Um, it doesn't have to be business at all. It could be whatever, whatever you find successful in your own life. Yeah. It's a great question. So for me, I mentioned that I'm a person of faith, um, you know, and, and, and for me, uh, I feel great, very grateful to have been given the ability and the talent to, to succeed in business. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, success really is about who are you impacting? Why are you impacting? What is your legacy going to be like? We've heard it all before on your deathbed. No one's going to look back and ask you uh, how much money did you make or how many businesses did you start? What They're not going to remember what you did. They're going to remember how you made them feel. And so for, for, for me and for my family, it really is about investing in people. It's about loving people well. 
You know, it's about serving people. Um, Jesus, you know, was an amazing man. He was the son of man and he was also the son of God. When he walked on this earth, he's, uh, he, he, he performed the miracles, but he loved people well. Uh, scripture says that the son of man, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for many. And so really, he's the greatest role model in the history of the world. And, and if he came to serve and to offer his life, that is what I feel is my obligation. I'm forever indebted because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a son of God. We're all sons and daughters of God. And our responsibility is to, to give back, to take care of people. So really, truly, the definition of success is to give your to take your God-given talents and abilities to speak life into people, to encourage them, to let them know they are God's creation. They're created for beautiful things. Doesn't always mean beautiful things are in business. The simplest, most successful people I've met sometimes have never uh, written a check. They've never done a business deal. They just have loved people well. And so my role models aren't the Elon Musks of the world. They're not the Bill Gates of the world. You know, they're not the Jeff Bezos of the world. They're the people that are oftentimes the most unnoticed in society because they're busy serving people and they do it without fanfare. And at the end of my life, that's what I want to be known as, is somebody that really invested heavily into people because that's what is required of me. And that's what brings the greatest joy to my life. Awesome. It was so nice meeting you. Yeah. Likewise, you guys. Appreciate your time. Good Thanks. good questions. And I like the flow. It worked out well. Thank you. Awesome. Um, Thank you. We'll be sure to send you it. Uh